Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, after having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. So friend, you're seriously interested in Christianity, but you don't have a whole lot of Christian community. So now what? Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And today we're back with this month's special co-host, Mariah. Mariah, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> Mariah. I feel like I say hello the same way every time. And it's kind of like... <laughs> it's great. And listen, I know we just recorded with Drew last week. Um, yes. That was a great episode. But... Uh, Every time I talk to you, it feels like you've got a God sighting story, you know, for lack of a better term, like something that God has been doing in a tangible way in your life. Do you have anything that's happened this past weekend? I, I can't confirm that it's like a God thing. Um, this literally happened this morning, but I was trying to figure something out because I kind of have a bunch of things going on and something kind of, I wouldn't say changed, but was different. And I couldn't figure out why it would have happened because it's more of something began and then it's coming towards its ending, especially now that I'm getting ready to go back to school and just living here has been kind of its own season, I guess, like a mini in between being at school, coming home, staying here, going back to school. And I was just trying to figure out why a specific relationship came into my life when at this point it's coming to an end. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I had a different relationship that was not the best that's kind of been in and out of my life for the last couple of years. And I recently decided to end it because of this one relationship that I got into while I was here. And for whatever reason, it just kind of clicked in my head and I was like, oh, that's why this happened is because this needed to end. So that's why this came into my life, even though it's only for a short period of time, which again, I don't know if that was just kind of whatever, but it just kind of clicked. And I guess that would be You yeah. had an aha moment today and you're like, oh, yeah, so Lord, I can't was say whether that was like God just kind of like answering my question because it's definitely something that I've asked because I was asking for clarity about the other relationship that I ultimately decided to end. Um, so I guess it just was kind of that clarity of, oh, okay, this all makes sense now, which I can't say if that was God or if that was me just kind of being like, okay, I kind of see where the pattern went, which yeah. I guess would be God. But I don't know if he's the one who told me or if I just knows something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. I love how you're, you're always looking uh, for those things. How, how is the Bible reading going? Because I know you've talked about reading in Luke. Are you still doing yeah, that? Yeah, I, I actually just finished Luke uh, the other day. <laughs> and I kind of powered through it at one point, I had stopped reading for a couple weeks. And then I was reading one chapter a day. And then the other day, uh, the last three days of reading it, I read four chapters a day which I feel like it's just a lot of information especially when you get towards the end of it I liked it just because it was it focuses on different things I read John first which definitely had more of almost an outer focus it seemed mm. um, from what I noticed John seemed to focus a little bit more on the disciples and just kind of like explaining other roles in it versus from what I noticed of Luke it was very Jesus centered and he didn't really talk about like anybody else. <laughs> so uh, getting to the end of that was kind of power read. And now I've just kind of stopped. 
Oh um, I think Mark's next, but I'm in between. I finally finished Luke and that's where I've been to. So. Okay. Well, I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about that on the Patreon episode. Because uh, okay. I also bought the book Crazy Love that you suggested to. Uh, you did? I, th- I think it was Becca you suggested it to. I did. I, I listened to her episode and I bought it and you didn't suggest me anything. So I was like, okay, I'm going to buy it. I, I haven't even finished the first chapter, but I did start reading that too. I have goosebumps. That's one of my favorite books uh, by Francis Chan. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk some more about that here. And we're going to record our Patreon episode here after we talk with today's guest. But before we do that, friend, I'm excited you're listening in for season four, where you may know that I've been inviting co-hosts and guests on to share their individual stories and asking guests to address some of my co-hosts' honest questions. And if you haven't already listened to this format before, you haven't heard Mariah, my co-host this month, share her personal story and some questions she has about Christianity on the podcast, I encourage you to please go back and take a listen. We'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes, but bottom line is she's still here. Which I'm is awesome. I'm scared of her. <laughs> <laughs> and friend, I also want to take some of, um, or take a moment to just thank some of our special Patreon supporters today. Thank you to Brian and Jill Wilson, your prayers and continued support of what we're doing here on the Finding Something Real podcast are so uh, valued. And friend, if you want to become a patron, we have a bunch of perks for those who support this ministry, and there's a special content that you can get when you sign up, including a bonus episode each month that we were just talking about. Your financial support helps keep this show going, and more information can be found on my website at findingsomethingreal.com. You also get a pack of stickers when you sign up, which is awesome, so please go check that out. Uh, now today, I'm really excited because we have a special guest here. She's been on staff with Resonate Church for two years working in the leadership development of college student leaders. She has been married for two years and has three, that's three, cats. Uh, She has been uh, studying or she has studied psychology and Spanish as an undergrad and has a passion for working with college students and helping lead them to breakthroughs in their walk with Christ. I'm really excited to welcome today's special guest, Rebecca Metzler. Welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here today. Oh my gosh, Rebecca, I am just thrilled. Um, So a little backstory. Um, I googled, this was a few weeks ago, because I've been praying a lot about who do we invite on here. And God is so faithful, because last, the person that I had prayed about one, um, this is a few weeks ago, one of them was Drew Barriessa, who came on the podcast. I (laughs) and I didn't know whether to invite him back on. We invited him back on. And in the middle of that conversation, Mariah's like, I really wanted to talk to him. (laughs) So I'm so glad. I didn't say anything. I was just like, you know, if he comes back, he comes back. I was kind of like hoping and praying that you'd kind of do it yourself, which you did. So it worked, I guess. That's a God sighting. (laughs) That is a God sighting. And then you mentioned, Mariah, this was a few weeks ago. You said something Mm -hmm. about a friend at Wazoo had invited you to this church called resonate. I wrote it down. And then later on, I'm thinking I had, so this is a convoluted story, but I'm going to share it anyway. I get this like monthly letter from some people that I don't know who are involved with crew, uh, which is uh, campus. What is it? Campus crusade for Christ, or it used to be. I think so. Okay. Yeah. It's a college, it's a college ministry and it's been on my desk and I'm like, I need to reach out to someone like that for Mariah. It's been on my heart, like this constant, like, this has been a God setting in my life. And I thought, oh, do I reach out to them directly? They don't go to Wazoo. So I Googled, like, campus <laughs> ministry, Pullman. And here pops up this church name that sounds really familiar. So I go back to my notes. It's the church that you mentioned, Mariah. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but I have a very good friend. Uh, she's actually going to be on this podcast in July. Her name's Tiffany. Uh, who's involved with this church, uh, one of their branches in Ellensburg. And I, so I sent a cold email. I get this email back from uh, this lovely person. And Rebecca, you shared a little bit of your story. And I'm like, I think you're exactly the person we need on this podcast. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. 
Thank you. No, I, <laughs> it's so crazy. I so I get this email from so when you send an email to resonate generally, it just goes to our um goes to Emily Shive. She's like the media team lead or something like that. Um, and so she sends it to me and she's like, hey, I don't really know who to send this to, but for some reason I felt like it should be you. And I'm reading through it and I, you know, immediately go and listen to the podcast and listen to Mariah's story. And I'm just like, God, I think you want me to do this, huh? And I'm praying about it and I'm like, I need to do this. And I'm, so I'm really excited because I really feel like God just orchestrated everything for this to happen. I do have to ask, are you guys the church that kind of like sits in like the center? Is that you guys that like you have a tent sometimes or is that a different church? I have no idea. But like there's always this church that kind of like sets up in the middle of campus. We and they kind of talk about it. <laughs> we usually have it's the the one with the neon green logo that yeah. it's kind of like a circle arrow thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm the worst. Yeah. I, I'm the kid that like I duck my head and run away. And <laughs> Not today. Not today. Okay. <laughs> so before we get into your story, Rebecca, tell us a little bit about Resonate. Um, what are they doing? Obviously, they're front and center um, on a college campus. But yeah, I'd love to hear more. Yeah, so we are, it's going to sound, I don't know why I have this like just engraved in my head, but our slogan or whatever it would be, it's we are a collegiate church planting movement. Um, so we plant churches on the college campus, um, and we started doing that across the Northwest. Um, right now we have, I think like 12 or 13 sites, um, in Oregon, Washington, uh, Idaho, Montana, and Canada, I think, pretty sure. Um, so we just are really passionate about the college campus. I feel like college students are in such a pivotal time in their life where you know you you're trying to discover yourself and you're trying to find your identity and you're just trying to figure life out really um and if you can intercede that discovery phase with the gospel which what we believe is the truth I mean it just changes lives and we've seen that over and over again just people's lives be transformed for the sake of the gospel and I mean the college campus is like the epicenter of of culture change. So that's kind of what we do. Um, yeah, we've been doing that for like, I think 13 years. Um, I've, I've only been on staff for two years, but I've been a part of Resonate since 2015. Um, and yeah. Wow. So it Resonate started at Wazoo. Is that right? At Washington State yeah, University? 2007. Mm-hmm. Wow. And what was the reason? Why did they start it? I mean, there's churches everywhere. Um, yeah. What makes it different, do you think? Yeah, so from, there was a, a group of people that came from Texas, and there's, I think before Resonate started, not that we're the only ones that are doing this, but there wasn't like a prevalent, there wasn't a prevalent like church um, established on college campuses. There's There are college ministries, like crew and like a lot of really great ministries that provide community but not that provide like the whole church body experience um and I mean we have our services are right in the middle of campus like we have a service on Sunday in the middle so you really like you don't have an excuse you don't have a car that's fine you can walk there (laughs) um and that wasn't really a thing before you know churches on the college campus wasn't really a thing um and now we're seeing so many people do it. And it's been just so cool what God has done and how he's been faithful. Wow, that is so cool. So how, tell me your story. How did you get involved with Resonate? Yeah. Oh, man, I feel like I've been, I've been just thinking so much about this recently. Um, I was just telling some, I was just sharing my story with someone and I told them, it's really hard to share your story in a matter of a couple of minutes because you feel like every moment in your life is something God has orchestrated for you to, to meet him, for you to come to know him. Um, and I really feel that way. But I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, um, I grew up in Mexico. Um, I was there for a huge part of my life. I was there until I was nine. Um, and then my 
dad cheated on my mom and had another kid with another woman and um my mom was like hey what if I raised the kid with you or you know we helped this girl out I don't know my mom was really willing to make it work for her marriages you know until you die um but my dad I think was was pretty done with with marriage a while back um so they get separated and we come to America for a couple of years. I think it was actually one year, two years. No, it was one year. We come, we're here one year. Um, and then my mom is, is wanting to, you know, she thinks that things can be fixed with my dad. Um, my dad had visited twice and, um, you know, they have slept in the same room. I don't know what that meant, but me as a little nine-year-old, what I'm seeing is dad and mom are getting in the same bedroom. That's a good sign. Um, and then we go back to Mexico a year later and it turns out my dad is already in a really serious relationship. Um, and this was going on while he was visiting my mom. Um, so we go back and, you know, we get there. My mom finds out that really her marriage can't be fixed. Um, and so they get a divorce and we stay there for two years because I mean, we had just gone there. Why would we come back right away? It didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we stay there for two years and I think those two years were probably some of the hardest years of my life. Um, I saw a lot of things I, I didn't need to see from my dad. Just, you know, I, I don't want to get into too many details, but just things I probably shouldn't have seen. Um, and, you know, he said some really hurtful things to me that uh, a 10 year old doesn't need to hear. Like, I remember one time asking him, hey, dad, like, would you mind hanging out with us? like my brother and I alone without your girlfriend being there. Um, not that I don't like her, but I just want to spend some time with you alone, you know, some quality time with you. And I just remember him saying, if you want to be with me, you're going to have to be with her too. And that was it. Um, and as a 10 year old, that crushes you. Um, and, you know, a lot of things started happening. My, because of that, I think I, my view of men started to get really broken. Um, my view of marriage was was broken. My view of, of fatherhood was broken. Um, and then fast forward, we come to America and this by this time I'm 12. Um, and then I spent a good amount of time just kind of trying to figure out what it means to, what it means, what life means. <laughs> um, I grew up Catholic um, and growing up in, in the Catholic church, all I really learned was if you do bad things, you're going to hell. Um, and that's not to bash on the Catholic church. That's just what I was learning at the time. Um, I, I learned, I think more about hell than I did about the love of God. Um, and really the gospel, like, I don't think I, I ever clearly heard the, hear the, heard the gospel. Um, and then fast forward, I'm dating a guy um, we've been dating for like a couple of years now. We come to WC together. Um, and I think this is going to be the best time of my life because I'm leaving home with my boyfriend and it's the best thing. Um, and the first year was fun in a very sinful way. Um, I was drinking and partying and smoking and doing all the things that I did not need to be doing um, because I felt like that was going to give me happiness. I think I mean, that's what I had been searching for. I had been searching for this. I think I had this void in my heart after my dad leaving and I just wanted to feel whole again. Um, and I, I looked for that in everything I could in friendships and in boys and sex and drugs and alcohol. Um, I literally looked for it everywhere and I couldn't find it. Um, I break up with this guy that we had been dating for three and a half years and I mean, I thought I was going to marry him and I thought it was, you know, he was the one and all the things. And, and then I ended up breaking up with him and I, I stumbled into a really, really bad season of depression. Um, and I think all along, I, I had been asking myself, like, why are all these things happening? Um, I kind of prayed to God, but never really understood what that even meant. Like, how do you even do that? I mean, I, I learned, you know, how to do the rosary and all these things that I, I get taught in the Catholic church, but having a conversation with God, I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and then I remember my junior year, I had been going to resonate a little bit and I'm 
sitting at a baptism service. I don't even know why I went to the baptism service, to be honest with you. I don't remember. I'm sitting there and I just remember thinking and reflecting on my life for the last 10 years. And I'm like, nothing makes sense. Everything sucks. Everything hurts. And I'm like, God, like, what am I missing? Like, I don't get it. And I just remember him clearly saying me. And that was it. Like, I just remember him saying, you need me. And I was like, oh, I think that makes sense. <laughs> um, and somehow it clicked. And I, I mean, I think that's how the gospel works. Like once, I mean, God, God pursues you your whole life. He creates you and then he pursues you your whole life. And when he gives you a new heart and he gives you the Holy Spirit for it to make sense to you, like it's a moment that you're just like, oh, I can't deny this. Like I cannot deny your existence. I cannot deny your love. I cannot deny the fact that you've been pursuing me, you know, my whole life and all of the hardship and all of the, the sin that I was walking in, all of it made sense. Not that it was good, but it, it led me to that point of me realizing that nothing else satisfies but God. Um, and so I started my walk with the Lord when I was a junior not knowing what the heck I was doing. Um, I started reading my Bible and I started praying and I got baptized right away. And I, I went to a discipleship group program um, the following summer with Resonate. And I just started to really dive deep and learn and grow. Um, and I think I thought that once you become a Christian, life is great because you have God and everything is rainbows and butterflies. Um, and that's not true. And so when I started experiencing hardship again, I was confused, um, and then I realized what trials, I mean, I, I'm just walking out of a, a really hard trial, too, um, and just learning so much from it, and learning that through the hardship, through the trials, God teaches you about his grace, and his love, and his faithfulness, and his sovereignty, and just how much he cares about you, um, and he lets those things happen, not because he hates you, but because he loves you, because he wants you to come to him and to cling to him. And I've, I've, I've learned how to do that. Um, I'm still learning how to do that. And it's been the craziest ride of my life, but I think nothing else makes sense now. Um, and even during seasons of doubt and during seasons of, of questioning the Lord, it, it doesn't make sense to believe in anything else. Hmm. Wow. Any thoughts on that, Mariah? <laughs> I know. I think it's a lot. Um, first of all, just thank you for your transparency because I know a lot of that's really hard to share. And I know even personally, and I've kind of talked to you now about this. Um, there's certain things that I'm not willing to share and just kind of have be open at this point. I feel like I do share a lot, but there's definitely things um, that are kind of similar to your story that I resonate with that I wouldn't personally want to share. So just thank you for that. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> um, what made you choose resonate kind of over other things? Like, are there other places in Pullman too, or was there a specific reason why it was resonate over other ministries? Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like God put it right in front of my face and I couldn't avoid it. Um, I, there was this gal who lived in, so I lived, you know, the dorms much in, at mm -hmm. WCU? So I lived yeah. in back home then. Um, okay. and there was a girl on my floor who was going to resonate at the time and she was inviting my best friend, Jose. Um, and I don't even know why she invited him more than me. I think he was more susceptible at the time to, to the Lord than I was. And so she kept inviting him over and over and over again. Um, and then he kept inviting me. And so I kept hearing him and, and hearing, hearing his experience. You know, he would go to church and he would tell me like, dude, I learned this and this and this, and it's so great. Like you should come with me next weekend. Um, and he was just so relentless. And he, I, I just started meeting so many people from Resonate and I, I really couldn't avoid it. Um, it got to the point where it was just all around me, I think. And so I was like, well, I'm, I keep getting invited to this church. Might as well try it. And I did, and and I started learning so much, and so I think I just stayed because I was I was learning truth. Um, so I never really had the the need to like try out a different 
a bunch of different churches because I wasn't seeking. I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't wanting to to dig into that. I I wanted to run away from it. Um, and I felt like just God wasn't letting me. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much, Rebecca, for sharing your story. And I just want to echo what Mariah said. It's uh, refreshing to hear how God just pursued you and got a hold of you. Um, well, Zoo, as I'm sure you know, I mean, I grew up in Washington State, has a reputation uh, for being a party school, mm -hmm. uh, I think for good reason. Um, <laughs> my brother's an attorney, and I think he's had some cases over there, <laughs> like uh, for, for real. Um, and so I'm just wondering, what is it like to be so countercultural in, in a community and a place where culture is, you said it yourself, it's like changing at the college level, you are sharing a gospel that hasn't changed for 2000 years. And you're saying, this is better. What is that like? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard and it's heartbreaking to, you know, you go on Greek grow and you see people stumbling and you see, uh, you know, girls wearing barely any clothes and like, you just see so much brokenness. Um, and you hear about so much brokenness and, it sucks, um, but you know that the gospel is so much better, and you know that Jesus is so much better than all of that, and so I think, you know, when I've had so many friends, you know, who a part of the story is I got into the party scene, and then I realized that it didn't satisfy, and so I looked for something else, and we're waiting for them. I'm waiting for them. I'm waiting for women to tell me I'm looking for something because everything I've tried isn't working because that was my story. Um, and it's hard because I mean, when, when you give your life to Jesus, you have to, you know, give up your desires and you have to give up a lot of things. Um, and you have to believe that it's worth it. And so you don't get to that point until you really get to know Jesus. Like you don't know that he's worth giving everything up for until you really know him. And so looking different than the than the rest of the world and trying to have a third way for everything um is hard and honestly sometimes exhausting if you're trying to do it out of your own strength which I fall into um but I think if, if you lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and you lean into God's grace um you can take his goodness and and let it speak for itself like I don't have to convince people of, of God's goodness he can do that all by himself um, all I have to do is put it on display and let people see it. Um, so it's hard, but I think when you see miracles happen right in front of you, of people coming to know him, you know, it, it's life-giving and it's, I mean, I wouldn't want to do anything else with my life. <laughs> yeah. I love that. With COVID, how has it been different as a church? I know I mentioned earlier how there used to be just this pop-up that was constantly in I don't, I don't want to call it downtown campus, but like that's kind of what I picture because <laughs> it's the main stretch along the student union building and then you have the library. So it's basically what would be, I would say, again, downtown campus. I, I feel like there's a better word for that, but that's just kind of what I picture because it's the main walk. But other than just that, what have you guys been able to do since there's nobody there to kind of talk to? Yeah, honestly, it's been incredibly hard. Like far more than we expected. Um, campus closed down. And I mean, our ministry was going to campus and meeting students. And so we couldn't do that anymore. Um, and so a lot of it was praying a lot and hoping that God would bring people to us. And at the same time, trying to figure out like, what do we do as a church? Do we meet in person? Do we not? Um, do we let our students, you know, have their small groups in person or do we not, um, you know, trying to figure out what is the wise thing to do sometimes is really hard. Um, and I feel like the world sometimes subconsciously is looking to the church to see what they're doing. Um, and I mean, we're human, so we can get it wrong and we most of the times get it wrong. Um, so when we get it wrong, I think it's hard because that's what the world is seeing. Um, but I think you know, we've been able to innovate and use social media and, you know, just 
figure it out really, we started, you know, doing online services. We have never really done that before. Um, we have something called Res Live, and now it's a thing. Like it's so it's so crazy how innovation works. You know, it's you have this idea and it seems crazy, and then years later, it's not crazy anymore because it's just a part of what you do. Um, and so now social media outreach is just a part of, of, of what we do, you know? Um, and so it's been super, super difficult. And it's, I mean, I think it's sometimes because it, it's so hard to, to see what God is doing, um, you can believe that he's not moving and that's not true. You know, like God is faithful and he keeps moving with or without the church um, because he is God. And I think just seeing his sovereignty has been really cool and just seeing how, you know, we're still meeting people, even if it's over Zoom, and I'm still showing the gospel, even if it's over FaceTime. Um, and it's been really cool just to see how God has used things that are already a thing like Zoom and FaceTime and texting and all these things that were already a thing. And now we're getting to use it for the sake of the gospel in a new way. Um, but yeah, it was super, super hard. Will, in, will there be more in-person opportunities starting in August when you guys come back to, to school? Yeah, so we um, started meeting in person uh, every week this summer. Um, we are meeting in person already. Um, especially, I think what we've tried to do is really do what the government is telling us to do. Um, just to, to be wise in that way and to abide in that way. Um, and now with the vaccine coming out and all these things, like it's given us opportunity to be in person and be safe at the same time. Um, and so now we are meeting in person and we're not on the college campus yet. We are meeting outside of a college campus. Um, we have to wait until WC opens and see what their restrictions are and what they allow us to do. Um, so once that happens, I think we'll have a better idea on what we can do on campus, but we're still meeting students, um, even if it's meeting them outside of the campus. Yeah. Yeah, community is so important, you know, especially when it comes to faith. I think that it's one thing to know that God's pursuing you. It's another thing to not feel like totally out in the middle of an ocean all by yourself and wonder, how did I get out here? It's great oh. when there's other people who are out there with you. Um, I'm just wondering for uh, somebody who is on the outside looking in, who maybe is questioning, like looking in at faith and going, man, What's happening over there it resonates kind of cool. Um, how do you pursue that person? How do you invite them in? How do you tell them, hey, you belong here? Because one of the things that I loved about my first, <laughs> what was that? They message you. Yeah, they like, message you. Once, once you kind of talked about online stuff, I remembered that I actually did get a message that I just hadn't answered. <laughs> Mostly because I was like, I, I live in house the country, so I'll answer later. I, I haven't <laughs> answered. I don't know when that was, but it was a while ago. Well, one of the things that I loved about our first episode together, Mariah, is you said, uh, can you just go into a church? I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> is that I, how it works? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is kind of daunting. You know, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. I can't remember a time when we didn't go to church. But if I didn't, you know, I mean, I think of even some of the churches that I, I know I don't belong in. I think, well, I don't belong there. You know, so how do you know that you belong at Resonate? Yeah. Yeah, it's very daunting, especially when you walk into a place and there are people raising their hands while they're singing. It's like, what is this? It's so weird if you don't know why we're doing it. Um, but I think something that we do is um, called Village. So it's our, our kind of our small group. Um, yeah, I guess you could call it a small group. So people, friends, they get together, they meet every week, they have a meal together, they play games, they will talk a little bit about um, faith-related things, but it's not like, let me shove the gospel down your face. <laughs> um, it's like, hey, what do you think? What are, what do you believe? Like, let me get to know you and let, let me have you get to know me. Um, and that's been really the, what we have found to be the most helpful vehicle um, just people doing life with each other 
having shared experiences and creating community, creating friendship, like deep, authentic friendships. I think, you know, you come to college and you really want that. I mean, that's why so many people join sororities and fraternities because they want a place to belong. Um, and so when you have so many opportunities like that in every pocket of campus of, hey, we meet in this house, we meet in this dorm, come hang out, come have food. Let's go to the cliffs together. Let's go swing dancing together. Like you just have experiences and you start to to build friendship. And then you start to see the gospel through the people that you're becoming friends with. Um, I personally, my, my first, if I meet someone who's not a believer, my first ask would not be come to church with me. My first ask would be come get coffee with me and let me hear your story. Let me share my story. Um, I mean, if they're interested in church, sure, come, but it's not, I think it's so much better when we take the gospel to people than trying to drag people to the gospel. Um, and the church is not the only place that you can find the gospel, you know, because we are the church, we are the body, so we can take the gospel wherever. So I think if you're curious and you're seeking, then sure, yes, come to church and hear about what, what, who God is and, you know, get to see people raising their hands to songs and have it not make sense. Like, yes, come do that. But if you're not ready for that, that's okay. Like, let's go get coffee. Let's go grab lunch. Let's go do something that's comfortable and normal so that we can, you know, just hear about what we both believe in. Um, because we all have faith in something, you know, you can have faith in science, you can have faith in Buddhism, you can have faith in, in whatever it is, but we all have faith in something. And so when we start sharing what we have our faith in, then we got, we start getting to know each other. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's what we do. I think, I don't know. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, let's say you do go out to coffee with somebody and uh, they're listening or they're sharing their story and they start uh, listening to you share yours. Uh, they say, wow, that's amazing. Uh, what is so special about the gospel? What do you, how do you answer that? Yeah, I think every other religion will tell you the same thing, which is work your way up to something, try to be better, try to get yourself together so that you can reach a point of enlightenment or, or completion or whatever it is you want to call it. And the gospel is just so radically opposite. The gospel is like, Jesus is the only one that literally does it opposite than every other religion. And Jesus doesn't say, come to me when you're ready. He says, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to pursue the heck out of you, even if you're not ready, because I love you so much. Um, and I think that the beauty in the gospel is you don't have to get yourself together. You don't have to. I mean, I was a mess <laughs> when I came to the Lord and I you don't have to clean yourself up. You know, God does that for you. He makes you clean. He washes you. He makes you new. Um, and, and that's the gospel because Jesus died and he resurrected. He has the power to do that. He was perfect, lived a perfect life, something that no human will ever be able to do has ever been able to do. And he did it because he loved us. Like he died and he resurrected simply because he loved us, not because he had to, you know, Jesus didn't die because he had to, like he did it out of love. And when you love someone so much that you're willing to sacrifice your own life for them, why, I mean, why not pay attention to that? Why not ask more questions? And so I think the gospel just sparks curiosity because it makes no sense <laughs> um, because it's so countercultural. Um, you know, I think our culture now tells us self-care and do like look after yourself and be selfish and say no to things and have your own time those things can be good you know self-care can be good and saying no to things can be good but Jesus is just so opposite he just you know gives us everything to you um and people it's just is I don't know but yeah. I, I love it. And I'm going to ask one more question and then I'm going to let Mariah ask you whatever she wants. Um, let's say the friend on the other side of that conversation looks at you and says, Rebecca, I want what you have. Yeah. 
How do I get it? I mean, I, honestly, it's simple. I think it's, uh, I think if you get to the point where you're saying, I want what you have, you're probably a lot closer to it than you think, because you can only say that if God is already doing something in your heart. Um, and I really believe that. So it's just a matter of you going to him and really praying to him and saying, God, I recognize that I am a sinner. I, I recognize that I'm not perfect. I recognize that I've sinned against you, that I've hurt you. Um, and I recognize what you've done on my behalf, that you sent your son to die for me. And that, you know, like, I think for you to, to recognize who God is and his power and his love and for you to just surrender to him and to really just talk to him like if he was a friend or or a father um it's really not that hard if you want it it's there like literally and I think once you you take that step of faith and you say God my life is yours then it's not like now all of a sudden everything makes sense you know like go to people and ask them questions of things you don't understand and start your walk with faith and start learning about the Bible and what God says and his word. I think sometimes, you know, when you're seeking, you're reading the Bible, but the word is living and active. And so it doesn't really make sense to you until you have the Holy Spirit for him to make sense of it for you. Um, and so I think once you've surrendered your life and you're like, God, my life is yours, then go to the Bible and see what God has to say to you. And he will speak to you because he promises that. Um, and so I think if, if someone is questioning and or saying, I want that, really, it's yours. It's there. Um, and I think if you're saying, I want that, you probably already have it and you don't even notice. I like that answer. It's an interesting take on it because I don't think that's what most people would think, especially because already they're asking, like, you know, how do I get that? So it's interesting to think that they already have part of it what do you think my experience would be at resonate as someone who is lgbt like what do you think that is like there or just kind of i don't know i don't want to say diversity but just in general obviously it's a college campus so there's a lot of issues that the church would not or the church would have with more of I would say modern day culture there's definitely a lot of clash with that what do you think or how do you guys deal with it <laughs> can I ask you maybe a personal question yeah is is your real question hmm. I think asking what would my experience be being gay at resonate I could answer that but I'm curious if the real question is, if I go to resonate or if I give my life to Jesus, what does that mean for me being gay? I mean, we are a Bible-believing church, so the Bible is our authority, um, and scripture is very clear about homosexuality. You know, God says, do not walk in that. He doesn't say, it's a sin for you to like women. It's a sin for you to look at other women, but it's a sin for you to pursue those desires. Honestly, just like it's a sin for me to pursue my desires. When I was not married and I was living in sin, having sex outside of marriage, that's just as much of a sin as what you're struggling with. Um, and now, like, I struggle with, I'm, I am married, so I struggle with different sin, you know, wanting to be perfect, wanting to portray this thing to be good enough, like that is much of a, is as much of a sin as walking in homosexuality. And I think sometimes because culture has hyped it up so much, we think that it's different or we think that it's a special sin. It's really not. Um, and so I think your experience would be you coming and having people around you that love you for exactly who you are and inviting you to, into a better way of living. Um, because God's design is genuinely better for your life because it gives you freedom. And so it's not a, God tells you 
don't do this because he is malicious or because he is controlling. He tells you don't do this because he loves you and he knows what's best for you. Just like a dad, you know, would probably tell you, hey, before you cross the street, look both ways because you might, you know, get ran over it. Like God is the same way. He disciplines because he loves, not because he wants to control. So if you come to resonate, you know, people are going to love you. People are going to want to get to know you. People are probably going to take you out for coffee and invite you to village and invite you to swing dance and invite you to barbecues and do fun things. And at the same time, if you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, God will say, then surrender all of your sin. That doesn't mean you won't sin anymore because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. And I still fall into temptation now. Um, but God is better. And I think with the power of the Holy Spirit, like God gives us a spirit of power meaning we can get rid of our sin, you know, it might take it some time, sure, but we can do that because he's given us that power. So can you have same-sex same attractions and resonate? Absolutely. Like that's, it's a part of, you know, who you are, um, but it's not your identity. It doesn't have to be, you know, if, if you give your life to Jesus, being the daughter of the creator, God of the universe, that's your identity. Um, and that can supersede all of other identities. And so can you have same attractions? Yes. Can you walk in a lifestyle of pursuing your same-sex attractions? No, that's not okay. Um, but it, we would walk with you in that. And, you know, we would show grace when you mess up. And we would love you. And if you're like, I'm not ready to give it up, that's okay. You know, God, God is going to, God is pursuing already, Mariah. Like he has been doing so much in your life. And he, if you want him in your life, he's going to help you through this. I promise you. One of my dearest friends, like she is lesbian and she is a part of our church, like a huge member of our church. And she's actually in Bellingham now. Like she just church planted, you know, she literally has been giving her whole life for the sake of of the gospel. She still struggles with it. She still likes women, um, but she's not living in that. And I mean, you can, you can, you can't stop sin from coming at you just like you can, you can't control your thoughts, but you can control what you do with that. Like, you know, when you get a thought of, oh, that woman is pretty, you know, that's okay. That's normal. But are you going to pursue that? Um, are you going to fantasize about it? Are you going to think more than you probably should about it? You know, and I think that's the, that's the invitation, you know, for you to be exactly who you are, but at the same time, give up the things that aren't best for you. Sorry, that was a really yeah. long answer. <laughs> Actually, it was a really long answer. I think within that you kind of answered because I don't think I necessarily asked it properly because I wasn't just addressing that I was more addressing kind of the grace factor like I know certain churches are less likely to give that grace or they just kind of like want to avoid it altogether um, and I know that might be more of like an individual thing but I think the question was more of for people that are struggling um, with that or like I know um, drinking is an issue on campus and that that can be something that's brought up just how are people that are actively living in sin or just kind of doing anything like that, how are they treated? Because I know a lot of places it's just kind of pushed under the rug or if people hear about it, they're like, okay. And then that judgment starts and then it's not necessarily like actively pushing it away, but it's kind of like people, people do that because they're trying to avoid it. So they'll just kind of like separate themselves and then you end up isolated. So yeah. I was more of asking, is that a big issue? Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't had an experience outside of Resonate. Um, I haven't really gone to any other churches to to these, so I don't know what that's like. But I think when you've experienced grace abundantly, it's a lot easier to give grace abundantly. Um, and so when you, when you know that you are a sinner through and through, like you can look at other sinners and say, hey, there's grace for you. Um, I mean, there was a couple, not a couple, it was like four or five years ago. It was a long time ago, five years, I think. Um, before I got married, before I even met my now husband, um, I was in this relationship for a summer and I, it was a summer that I wasn't in community. Um, and 
I was sounds so dumb when I say it out loud. I was talking to this non-believer to prove to myself that I could remain, that I could keep my faith while dating someone of not of the same faith. Um, I don't know what I was trying to prove, to be honest with you, but that's what I was doing that summer. It's a journey. Uh, it's a journey. <laughs> it was, and that did not go well. Um, I, you know, we were talking for a few months and I ended up sleeping with him a, after talking for a couple of months and I ended up getting an STD. Um, and that was a huge low point for me, um, because I felt ugly. I felt disgusting. I felt like this is not who I am. I mean, I had already been walking with Jesus and I was still walking in sin. Um, and I was like, this is not, this is not what you called me for. This is not, I don't know. It was, it was a really, really low point. And I remember coming to my mom and telling her mom, this and this and this happened. And she said, it's okay. God loves you. God's grace is sufficient for you. He pursues you. And for my mom to look at me and tell me those things, I mean, my mom was a new believer. She, she grew up a Catholic too and was super against me going to a Christian church. And then she becomes a believer two years after I become a believer. And for her, a new believer, tell me grace is sufficient for you. I was like, that's all I needed to hear. And that's when I think, I mean, I had, I had already been walking with Jesus, but grace made so much sense in that moment. And I was like, I don't want this for my life anymore. I don't want to live in this sin because grace made sense. And did I still have those desires? <laughs> yes. You know, I still had lustful thoughts and lustful desires, but I, it was a lot easier to not give into those because I understood the grace that God had for me. Um, and so I think my hope for you honestly would be that you would have a similar experience where you know that grace is so sufficient for you that even when you're struggling it's okay um because you don't have to be perfect like that's the whole point of the gospel like you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to get it right all the time and even after you become a believer you're still going to stumble and you're still going to struggle and it's a beautiful journey like it's it's not done until we die <laughs> um like it's literally it never stops because we are still in a sinful world and part of a sinful body and the struggle will not end. But when you get to experience God's faithfulness and his grace and his love and, and the joy and all the things like it's so worth it. Um, so yes, you would be hundred percent welcomed and I guarantee you that you would find great friends. Um, and I hope that you try it out at some point. My voice didn't work, but I said thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly can't think of many more questions. What do you think of her answer there, Mariah? Um, I think it's the pretty standard answer that I've kind of heard um, over and over again is just kind of the non-affirming view of it. I think something that's interesting is I haven't really heard an affirming view of it that follows what the gospel says like I don't think I've ever like I've seen affirming churches but I've never had it explained to me the same way like I don't know how to explain it better but it just the argument is very different so I think it's just kind of interesting to hear it because I think it's different from every person that you hear it from mm -hmm. if that makes sense like it seems like every affirming view is slightly different in the way that it's worded and express versus non-affirming has always been the same which I find really interesting and even comparing it to the gospel like the gospel is always the same so I don't know just <laughs> which do you think that you'd feel comfortable going to resonate now that you've met somebody there and you said you had a friend who's been inviting you is it a place where you think you would be accepted and loved on um I think personally I've always felt uncomfortable in churches in general like even as a child, I don't think I've ever felt comfortable in a church setting. Like it just, I don't know, something about church is just very off-putting to me. And so I think even as I'm like, oh, I'd want to go to a church. I don't know if I actually want to, because I've just never felt, and I don't want to say I've never felt welcomed, but I, it's, there's just something about church that doesn't feel right, if that makes sense. Like I walk into a church building and immediately I'm like, oh, 
I shouldn't be here. Like, Mm -hmm. this isn't what it's supposed to be. And I think even, like, with scripture and everything else, that makes sense. And that I'm like, okay, this is right. But then I haven't experienced a church where I'm like, okay, this is right. If you've never, like, experienced it for yourself, I think whenever you walk in a group where there's a big body of believers, like, even if it's outside of, like, a church building, you know, you're probably going to feel weird or uncomfortable. And I guarantee you that that's probably the enemy saying, hey, you don't belong here. Hey, you're not good enough. Hey, you're not clean enough. Hey, you look at all these people. They look perfect on the outside, don't they? You're not that. But it's like, that's an enemy feeding you lies, you know, because that's what, like, Janelle was saying, like, he wants to turn your your focus off of something that's not true. Um, when reality is the the believers that you might be comparing yourself to are just as sinners and as imperfect as you might be. Um, and, you know, you, I think, I just, I don't want you to wait to go to church until you feel like you're clean enough or good enough or perfect enough because then you're never going to go. And I think you have to take, you know, a leap of faith and say, this is going to be uncomfortable and that's okay. Like, I'm just going to let it be uncomfortable for an hour and a half to see what God has to say to me. Um, but honestly, like, if you would rather try something maybe a little bit less scary, like go to village, go hang out with people who can love you well and, you know, show you Jesus well, um, outside of Sunday gathering. Um, you and I, let's hang out. Like, let's go get coffee. Let's go get lunch. Let's, you know, I think when you start to be around community and you realize what it's really all about, then all of a sudden going to church is a lot easier because then you know that you don't have to show up a certain way. Um, but when you show up by yourself, that can be a little bit scary. Um, but it's easier when you have a friend to go with you. And when you hear truth being spoken to you, um, but I just, I just want you to know that the gospel is uncomfortable, but it's so worth it. Um, and having a relationship with Jesus in a, that it, like through a gospel that's so countercultural will be uncomfortable. Um, and that's okay, <laughs> you know, for, for you to be okay with that uncomfortability, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're looking at me like you expect me to say something groundbreaking. Well, I don't know. no, I'm just looking at you like, are you going to go or not? <laughs> I mean, I think it's on my radar of things. I can't guarantee that I'll go. I know that it's of interest to me. I think something, and it's really just kind of talking to people I know that I go because I know personally. I can honestly say I probably won't go if I'm not going with someone else. That's mm-hmm. like just knowing myself, I'm not going to go alone. Um, yeah, that that's really, and I know people that go to resonate. So I could ask to go to someone and I'll probably do that. But I know just personally, like I want to, but it's not something that I'll be able to do alone. And that's okay. Yeah. I think you, you have a friend here somebody that you could go have coffee with I mean I'm just saying I know you know I'm not uh, <laughs> not trying to be too pushy but you know it's the last episode we're recording with a guest so I'm gonna be a little pushy <laughs> uh Mariah I have really enjoyed this journey with you um I know we have one more recording to do but we have one final question for um our guest today and actually I I have one question for you, Rebecca, before Mariah gives you the final question. I guess for somebody who is uh, searching or feels like God is pursuing them, they're kind of in that place of, oh, maybe, I don't know. Can you recommend any resources like any worship songs or uh, Bible verses or books, something that has encouraged you in your faith that you think would be an encouragement to somebody listening? Oh man, there are, I feel like so many things that come to mind. Um, yeah, I think 
I mean, I could share people who I love listening to. I I love listening to Tim Keller. Anything by him, I trust and love. Um, Francis Chan. I you mentioned his book earlier. Such a great book. Um, I think a, a book that has really impacted me and impacted I think a lot of women around me is called Redeeming Love. Um, and the Francine Rivers. Yes. I love that book. It's like you should go to the movie when it comes out. I'll come to oh, Pullman. It's so good. It's like a kind of like a fiction book, you know. It's a it's a love story, but it's really God's love story of of us, you know, Him pursuing us and how it's it's so crazy. Like just the story. It's a story of a prostitute, basically, and how God calls her out of that. And it's just so crazy because that's that's us. I mean, I wasn't walking in prostitution, but like I was walking in so many other things and God does that. He just pursues you like crazy. Um, uh, Jenny Allen, I love her. Um, she has, I think, really easy to understand content on, on her podcast. I think it's called Made for This. Um, and it's something that's like easy to follow, I think. Um, I think for you, Mariah, I would recommend Jackie Hill Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote the book, Gay, Gay Girl, Good God, um, and talks about her story of having same-sex attraction. Um, and now she's, her life is crazy. She is married to a man now um, and still struggles sometimes, you know, looking at women and feeling a certain way for them. Um, and I think just her story is really powerful. And, and she shares, you know, really candidly how when she came to the church, you know, she wasn't welcomed how she hoped she would be and somehow still loves the body of the church and believes in it wholeheartedly. Um, and so I think, I think for you specifically, or if anyone is struggling with same-sex attraction, you know, listen to literally anything by Jackie Hill Perry read her book, Gay Girl, Good God. Um, it's so, so good. Thank you. So good. Let's see, let's see if I remember this question. Okay. <laughs> um, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Out of these four things that you can find in Jesus Christ, which one of them stands out to you the most in your life today and why? Did I get it? <laughs> Got it. Perfect. Restoration. Awesome. Eternity. Restoration authenticity or love real as an acronym for those things yeah I think um I know you said one but I'll pick two um restoration and authenticity um I I really look at my life and how God has redeemed so much and how he's restored so much I mean I love my dad now and we have a great relationship and it's been beautiful to see how have how God has healed that and has allowed me to forgive him. My dad is not a believer. Um, and my dad never said, I'm sorry. And still I forgave him. And I think it's hard to forgive someone when they don't apologize. Um, but God has redeemed that and he's restored that he's restored my, my desire to put my identity in men. I, I don't do that anymore. Um, and, and he's, he's the one that's done that in my life. Um, I, I just had two miscarriages and, you know, going through that loss, he has restored and he has healed. Um, and I think restoration is something that God has done all throughout my life, even before I knew he was doing it. Um, and authenticity, I think that's just something that the Lord has invited me into. I mean, you could tell I'm an open book and I share sometimes a little too much, um, but that's just who God, like how, that's how he created me to be someone who values authenticity. And, and I want to be as open as possible just to show that I am such a sinner and God loves me so much still. Um, because I think sometimes as Christians, like we can tend, not always, but we can have this like subconscious of let me like show myself as together to you so that you would want Jesus but that's not the point like the point is not for me to show up all perfectly put together so that I can say that's who God is no it's for me to show up as a sinner and say 
God's grace is sufficient for me. Um, and so I think that's authenticity, something that I've, I've learned to walk in. And it's hard. Sharing things that are personal to you is hard. But when God's grace is better, then sharing those things is so worth it because you can put his grace on display. Good. Well, Rebecca Metzler, Mariah, you guys, thank you so much for being here. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Mariah, I'm going to be praying you show up at that church, but uh, maybe that you have coffee first. And uh, I'm just really grateful. Rebecca, I, I definitely feel uh, like this was a God thing, and I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting co-hosts to join me to share their personal stories and to ask their honest questions about the Christian faith. Each month, we hope to feature a different co-host and together invite guests on to share from their own faith journeys and experiences. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all about what's so great about Jesus, I hope you come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.